he's got a big revolver, like a big heavy duty, like Magnum revolver and not just like a simple little nine millimeter pistol runs right up and cracks me in the top of the head with the uh, butt of the gun. Shut up. Um, they start taking everything, you know, pulling all of our, our wallets out or not really our wallets, but you know, the, what do you call it? The Biblia Blanca, the... Hello and welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. My name is Jordan. Alongside me is my co-host, Zach. What up? <laughs> <laughs> Zach just finished working out and he's got his water and his Pedialyte. Pedialyte. I'm pretty dehydrated. Get them electrolytes. Um, we're pleased to have our guest Hayden Smith join us. Hayden served in the, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to try this. Argentina, Buenos Aires, Norte, Mission. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That there is the national anthem, which Hayden did not know we <laughs> thought he would. Come on. When you were in the MTC, they didn't make you memorize it? Nope. It doesn't sound <laughs> like there's any words to it. I think this is just the... Oh, just the instrumental? Yeah. It sounds nice, though. I like it. It, it sounds national. Is there, there's no MTC down in Argentina, is there? There is. Right next did you to go the there? temple. No. Oh, okay, because I went to the Sao Paulo one, and they made us learn the national anthem. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they... Uh, they didn't send Americans to the Argentine MTC. Oh, that's weird. Anyways. Yep. Anyways. Fade it out. There you go. So well, we're excited to hear the funny, the good, and the growth that Hayden experienced. I always like to introduce my guests with something, because luckily I've known all my guests so far, and like a little story, and I actually thought of one with Hayden. Oh, no. Because I know Hayden <laughs> loves his mission, and when I talked to him about being a guest on the podcast, he was all in for it. Hayden... The first time I hung out with my wife was at an event that Hayden put together and that was street soccer in your backyard. <laughs> yep. Good times. <laughs> good. Great times. I remember that. Do you? Yeah. I totally remember that. I remember when you brought her. Dude, it, I didn't even, I didn't, I served in Mississippi and, um, something I loved about Hayden is like, we would have is like Tuesday night, there was soccer or football. Football. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it, dude. We, Kudos on the pronunciation. Like, you had authentic music usually. As long as you threw in, in Enrique Iglesias. A little like bit I, of reggaeton. I, yeah, I, I could <laughs> I could jive with that. And then like some, it, I, my own tradition was I'd throw in like Taco Tuesday and it was just, it was a good time. Now, but, did you, you didn't do that before your mission, did you? No, or is it was it, after the mission. So you brought home like futsal. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Yep. That's nice. Brought it home. I have a futsal ball in my backyard. There you go. Those are like the rock solid ones. If you yep. get hit with it, it hurts real bad. Yeah, totally. Yep, there you go. You can like throw it up as high as you can. It'll bounce like a foot. Nice. Yeah, it also hurts your foot real bad if you could kick it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but before we get too far, um, for any of our new listeners, to answer the question of why we're doing this, why we have the Hereby Called podcast, um, our mission for the podcast is to share inspiring stories with the world to entertain, educate, and inspire everyone who's given us their time. And our missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have changed our lives. And so our vision is to one day be able to help uh, fund and, and sponsor other missionaries and, and give them the same life-changing opportunities that we were blessed to have. But to start us off and to break the ice, missions can be funny. You have these crazy, unexpected, awkward, maybe cultural clash ish experiences. Um, and we call this the P day portion of our podcast. We don't have any sponsors yet, but one day someone will be blessed we do. enough. Oh, Soon do enough. we Herebycall.com. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out of my pocket. Nice. <laughs> um, Hayden, you mind sharing with us maybe a, a P day 
funny experience you had? Yeah, I thought of, uh, I actually thought of another quick one right here too. Um, the first one I thought of was, um, you know, everyone tells you about the food on the mission and it's going to be, you know, an experience for you trying to figure out what, what you're going to eat on the mission, if you're going to like it. And everyone tells you, you know, you have to eat whatever's put in front of you. And I think the very first meal I had in my mission, I knew that the Argentine people really liked tomatoes. The very first meal right off the plane when we uh, went to our first appointment in my first area was a bowl of tomato salad, which is tomatoes, salt, and oil. Mm. And I had to eat it. And I hated tomatoes before my mission. Absolutely hated them. The texture, the flavor, everything. It's just straight up. Are they like the little tomatoes, big tomatoes? No, it's like are big they toma- smashed up? Big tomatoes diced up and you have to eat it like it's a salad. It's like like a cereal. Just like it's all diced up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was pico, weird. Pico de gallo, but, with, it, it, but you ate, yeah, without <laughs> eating chips or anything. Pico, yeah. with, just, <laughs> with just tomatoes. Exactly. So that was one little funny one that was, uh, hit me pretty quick on the mission. Then another one was, is I'd heard about the rumor of, uh, public breastfeeding in South America. Mm. And, uh, nice. first day or two, I didn't see anything. I was like, okay, so obviously something doesn't ever happen. I'm not going to have to really worry about it too much. But, uh, the first public bus we took, there happened to be two women on the bus breastfeeding just out in the open. I thought they'd be a little bit concealed about it, but, uh, <laughs> definitely got a, got a shock on, on my first bus trip. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> My first, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I never had that. Dude, okay. My first Sunday in the mission field, I had to pass the sacrament and that's like the universal, you, you don't need to speak Portuguese to pass the sacrament. Right. right. So there's this lady and she looked like she was asleep. You know, she had kind of had her, her head down and her arms folded and I kind of like was hitting her with the tray like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, hey. And then she looked up and there's this kid looking at me like, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's your booby. <laughs> a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Paul, like you want bread? <laughs> but you know, first, first Sunday. You'll never forget. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, so, so, so take us back before, before the mission, you get your mission call. What, what was your experience opening your mission call? What, what feelings did you have? Um, I was pretty excited to get it. Um, it was a singular experience for me. My, uh, twin brother had gotten his call actually a month prior. Um, I got mine a couple, you know, month after he did. So we kind of had our individual experiences, which was nice rather than it being, you know, the same thing. Like I'd been our whole lives. That's cool. Um, so you know, we had our little get together, had friends and family over and, and my brother had gotten his call the month prior to Brazil and my two older siblings, they hadn't gone outside of the United States. And so I figured the odds were I was probably going to stay in the United States too, but I really had a desire to learn Spanish. And so I was like, you know what, that whole month I basically amped myself up that, you know, like I'm not going to get what I want. That's just the way it goes. You know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm not going to get exactly what I want. And so when I opened my call and I read Argentina, I, I was ecstatic because I got exactly what I wanted. I got to go to South America. I got to learn Spanish, even though it's a little bit of a, a different Spanish and people make fun of the accent all the time. What Don't they call it something? They call it Castellano. That's right. Castellano. Uh-huh. So yeah, they, uh, they call it something different. It's got a little bit of an accent and, uh, yeah, I was extremely, extremely happy. And one of the other cool things was too, is the first thing my mom asked me was who my mission president was going to be because my previous stake president growing up was serving as a mission president in South America. And sure enough, that's who my mission president was for almost my whole mission. Oh my gosh. Uh I never knew that. Yep. Wow. Good old President Gobranson. Nice. Yep. Wait, I know that last name. Anyways, offline. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So that was uh, definitely really exciting because 
you know, I didn't, I didn't feel as nervous going to the mission knowing I knew someone. And then, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I got exactly what I wanted. Oh, that's good though. When you guys filled out your paperwork, did, did it ask you like, if you had any preferences? I feel like you I remember? might have. I don't remember too well. I know for sure it talked to it you asked, about like, like, had you learned anything in school? Yes. Yeah, okay. and I took a couple years of Spanish, but. Yeah, because I, I remember I, yo tuve tres años, pero I went to the South. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, I remember saying like, yes, I took three years of Spanish and then it asked, do you want to serve outside of the United States? And I said, oh. yes. But again, you know, like you said, it's like, my big thing was like, I, I just don't want to go to Albuquerque. <laughs> like everybody has that one. Yeah. Mine was Yuma. I was like, don't like if it's Yuma or Tucson <laughs> yeah. I'm from Mesa. Dude, there's I'm, a, I know a guy who went to Tucson from Mesa and he loved it. It's like, it's like, <laughs> of course, but it's crazy. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's so when you open that call, it's like, it, it's almost like just a massive relief. It is. Absolutely. Even regardless of where you're going, at least you have an answer, you know? Yeah. It's I mean, kind of nerve wracking. You know, you build up your whole entire lifetime wondering like, okay, you know, when I'm 19 or 20 or whatever it is, I'm going to go on a mission. And then sure enough, you know, the day you get your call, it's like, wow, this was the whole lifetime I've been yeah, building up totally. to is this point. So. That's awesome. So in, I mean, I have to ask this question because I'm realizing a lot of people, I don't know, I thought everyone did, but did you have a testimony before you went into the MTC? I definitely had a testimony of the gospel. Um, I'm not much of a doubter and I never have been. Um, I know, you know, through personal struggles in my life, you know, the one thing that was constant was, you know, the feeling I got when I was keeping the commandments. Um, so, you know, I don't have, I didn't have some, you know, huge experience that was really life altering for me or, um, I never had, uh, you know, amazing study habits of the book of Mormon before the mission. I mean, I'd read every day, probably from the time I was in ninth grade, but it it was a matter of reading maybe a verse or a half a page. Just doing Um, it to do it. Doing it to do it, you know, and, and I, and I think that's great because it was, it was a benefit to my life. It's better than not doing it right. Um, but for me, I think when I try and think back at the first experience I had, maybe gaining a testimony of uh, specifically the Book of Mormon, um, I was probably 15 or 16. I felt like I should probably pray about it and try and, you know, get an answer. And, you know, I didn't get like this huge rush of the spirit or, you know, some crazy prompting. But the thing that came to me was, you know, how does the Book of Mormon make you feel when you read it? And how does it affect your life? And, you know, I could I sat there and I reflected for a minute when I'm reading the book of Mormon and I'm keeping the commandments, those are the times that I'm happiest. And so that was my answer for me at the time that the book of Mormon was true was how did it make me feel in my life? And that's kind of where I got my testimony and it kind of gave me that driving force to just stick with it. That's awesome. I always, um, I learned this on my mission cause I gained more of a rock solid testimony while I was on my mission. I kind of like did the whole piggybacked off my mom thing. Mm-hmm. My dad's not a member of the church mm-hmm. and I knew it's where I needed to be kind of the same thing. I, I felt good when I was going to church and reading the scriptures and everything, but and the promise that is given in the introduction of the, of the book of Mormon, you know, we're just starting come follow me where it's like, you'll know three things. Joseph Smith was a true prophet. Uh, Jesus Christ is our savior. And that the, the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints is a true and restored church on the, this earth. And I came to know that one through the scriptures that Jesus Christ was my savior. And then the other two just kind of like fell into place. You know, it, it wasn't like same thing. Oh, it wasn't some magical mm-hmm. moment, but it was like, you know, it's interesting rereading and come follow me. And then like remembering those moments, you're like, Oh yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So tell us about your mission a little bit. They speak Castellano. Castellano. Is, what happens if you say like you- Hablo Espanol? They're like, no, no, no. 
Yeah, they'll do. Uh, they'll get like they'll be like, especially the little kids. I think they're kind of confused about it because they think Spanish and Castellano are different languages. It's like, oh, you speak Spanish. You know, I speak Spanish too. And they're like, no, Cholo Castellano. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so do they have like different words for different things than it, like Spanish? Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's the same language, but it's like whether you're here or in Australia, you know, the words that we use are pretty different, but we can understand each other, right? So the, you know, the Spanish I grew up learning, you know, Mexican Spanish was very different from Argentine Spanish. You know, there's a lot of words that that you use for, for simple things. Like, you know, here in, I think, United States, you know, Spanish, they say a lot of times like carro for, for a car, right? Mm -hmm. In Argentina, they use the word coche. A coach? Just, yeah, like coche. Yeah. So that's just what they use for, for car, right? So there's a lot of words that they just don't use, but it, you can still understand it. That's but true. It's just the accent as well. It's just a little different. You know, the, the Y and the double L, instead of being like yo me llamo, it's show me chamo. Ooh. Oh, really? It's a little more fancy. They kind of have that same thing in Rio de Janeiro versus other parts of Brazil. It's just an accent. But mm -hmm. then they, now that you say that, I, I realize like Portugal, Portuguese is very different. It's the same language, but it's very different than Brazilian Portuguese. Exactly. So it's probably like that. Yeah, exactly like that. Huh. Um, talking about the culture, what, what was new to you about the culture of your mission? You get into Argentina. Was there any like, like this is different? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, especially growing up here in Arizona, so close to the border of Mexico, you know, I just assumed that the, you know, the Hispanic culture, the Latin culture, it was all the same, whether you were in Mexico, Peru, Argentina, wherever they spoke Spanish, it was the same. Right. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to go down to Argentina. I love beans and rice. This is going to be wonderful. Right. <laughs> burritos and tacos. Exactly. You know, I'm like, I'm not burritos and tacos, but I thought it'd be pretty similar. So I get down there and number one, there were, I never once had beans on my mission. Really? Uh -huh. wow. Never once had beans, maybe one time, but it was probably with a Peruvian family or something. Wow. Um, I had rice every so often. Um, but most of the Argentine people, at least in the capital where I served, you know, the, the Argentine, you know, the white Argentine people, um, not the indigenous Argentine people, they, uh, they're from Italian descent. So the food is a lot more similar to what you'd find in Italy, right? A lot of pasta. Hmm, interesting. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of foods like that. And I think that's why they eat a lot of tomatoes and everything as well. Don't they have a lot of, maybe I'm confusing it, but don't they have a lot of ranchers and like beef is like a big. Yeah. So Argentina is known to have the best meat in the world. <laughs> that's what it's known for. Brazil did. Brazil's great. No, I was like, I'm just kidding. I was in the South and had some pretty good biscuits. <laughs> what do they call them? Uh, don't tell me. Cowboys. Uh, Gauchos. Gauchos. Yes. Uh -huh. Wait, wait. Gaucho. How do you say it in Castellano? Yeah, gaucho. Oh, never mind. Gaucho. That's how you say it in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. We call them cowboys in English. <laughs> no, but the, the gauchos in, in Brazil, they wear like weird hats yeah. that are like sideways. Oh, really? I don't like Civil War looking like Captain Crunch. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> they wear hats like that. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. And it's something you brought up that I didn't even know. So there's, there's a lot of European. Tons of European influence. The architecture is uh, very similar to what you'd find in Europe. Yeah. It's uh, interesting post, you know, World War II. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny because Jordan and I <laughs> laugh about this is like. Zach took oh, me down this, <laughs> this wormhole once of this. All the, all the Nazis that went to Argentina and yep. even Brazil uh -huh. in, in after World War II. And yep. um, like, like Southern, Bra Southern Brazil, it's, it's kind of the same thing as Argentina. A lot of, a lot of very white people. Like yep. I would be considered kind of dark. 
it's very light hair, blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's this thing on the History Channel about all these like hidden submarine things all the way to Argentina. Yep, so yep, we just 100%. chuckle about it. But it's interesting. On my mission, there was this place called Dominguez Marchins and it, it was literally like a Germany town. Like 100%. The, yeah, the architecture was the same, the big old gates, you know, coming in and out of the, the city. Uh-huh. And uh, I actually had a family member that served down in Argentina and he said the same thing. It's just very, Lots of, a lot of European influence. Uh-huh. It's the, the Paris of South America or something like that. I thought I heard I thought I heard, I don't have you served there. So I wouldn't doubt. I mean, I went to Europe, my wife and I went to Europe last year and I was really in awe at how similar the architecture was. So in your, was, there's this place called Bariloche. Yep. Was that in your mission? No, no. That's a lot further South. That's like the, uh, the glorious snow country. Yeah. Cause that's like the vacation destination. Yeah. My, my grandfather did a lot of business internationally and uh, he would always talk about how Bariloche was like just like Vienna or like somewhere in Austria, you know? Yeah. And he also said that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of bad people went there. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, get, get that, that was on my list actually to talk. So we already checked that one off. I'll shut up for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, what was your favorite thing about the people you served? Um, my favorite thing, they just always wanted to give us food. That's I, always good. I love eating and uh, I didn't realize I loved eating, I think, until I was on my mission, but they were always uh, willing. Anytime we came in, if it was cold, they'd offer us hot chocolate. If it was hot, they'd offer us a tall glass of Coca-Cola. Um, they'd always try and give us food, even if they knew it was right after we just came from lunch. Uh, so they were just, not, you know, overall pretty nice people that uh, wanted to serve us. What What was your favorite food? Yeah, bottom line, if you had to like... So in Argentina, it's kind of like a melting pot, at least like where I served my mission. So lots of Peruvians, lots of uh, people from Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, Chile, wherever. Uh, If I'm going to say my favorite Argentine food, um, which is something that you can find in Italian food is gnocchis, which is like a, basically it's like a little potato dumpling Mm -hmm. that they use, you know, and they put an Alfredo sauce or tomato sauce or whatever on top of it. Um, That's probably like one of my favorite things. Uh, They eat a lot of milanesa, which is like a smashed chicken breast. And then they bread it and we'd eat that with mayonnaise and lemon juice. Yeah. Isn't it weird? <laughs> I, they, in Brazil, they put mayonnaise on their pizza. Yep. Mayonnaise on everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I just remember like, and they'd make pizza <laughs> rice, with, with tuna fish and, and corn. <laughs> That's Baca, bacalhau and milho. And you just put a bunch of mayonnaise that, on yep, it. Yep. Yep. That was mayonnaise like, all, all right. over your rice. That was it. Yep. Yeah. Is, what was the first thing you, you called? Um, you said it was like a dumpling? Oh, gnocchis. gnocchis. Yeah, because they had something like that in, in Portuguese. I always described it as like a homemade Hot Pocket. Oh, Is yeah. Is that kind of how it was? Did they have meat in it? No, it didn't it's have smaller. anything like in it. It's like they have the soup. It's, like, it's like basically like a noodle. It. It's basically like yeah. a noodle, but it's a potato noodle. Oh, okay. And it's kind of okay. just like chunky. Okay, I'm thinking of something completely different then. Yeah. Is Are there any restaurants locally that you found that do a decent job or- there was one that just opened off of Broadway and Val Vista and they actually did a really good job at the Argentine food because the lady is from Argentina and, uh, but they, the building they moved into, they started out as a food truck, but the building they moved into, unfortunately, uh, is kind of, you know, a lower end building and, uh, they had some floods and so oh, they ended bummer. up having to leave the building and they're still looking for a new location, which hopefully is close by again. Cause that was really convenient. What was it? What was the food truck called? Uh, oh my gosh. Cause there was an Argentine food truck that I knew it was called queso good. Is oh, that it's it? not that one. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember even what the name of the restaurant was. I don't even know. I can't remember right now. That's yeah, interesting. Cause you hear about like Brazilian barbecue, you know, yeah, Italian restaurants. Cool. Yeah, I never like, like a, 
a real Argentine restaurant. I've never like even you thought of one. You don't hear about yeah. it much. Yeah. And like I said, it's pretty similar to Italian food, you know, to a degree. So those were the best foods. What was the weirdest or worst thing you ever ate? So a really common one, no, I would say super common, but you know, one of the nasty ones that people are pretty common with is Mondongo, which was a uh, cow stomach. Oh yeah. All the little, you know, bum- bumpies of the cow stomach that you can see. Yeah. And they cut <laughs> into little teeny pieces, you know, like tortilla size strips, you know, or whatever. And it was super chewy and you just had to chew and chew and chew and chew and chew to get it down. And they'd make that in like a little stew or something. That one was pretty rough, but one of the weirdest ones I ever ate was, uh, which I only had at one time and I never met anyone else that ate it besides my companion and I. Um, but a, uh, it was actually a Peruvian member. He made us, uh, cow lungs. 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 Whoa. How do you yeah. even buy that? I, I couldn't tell you. At all the little you don't. It's like weird. There's a dead cow in the backyard with just the lungs. Take it out. <laughs> Elders are coming over. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that was one of the weirder things I had, but I mean, we had like cow hearts. Was it good stuff. though? Because uh, there's there's like weird and then there's like, yeah, this I is, wouldn't say it was good. Weird. There really wasn't much flavor to it. It's just kind of like we just ate it, you know? Like, I don't think it had a specific, like if you eat like a cow heart, like on like a skewer or something uh-huh. or, or that's really, you know, that can be really good. But like, it was just cow lungs. It was kind of just weird. My that's companion crazy. was having a really, he's Argentine, native Argentine and he was having a really hard time with it because of all like, you know, the blood vessels and veins and things like that. They were super chewy and oh, there was only a yeah. little bit of meat on the outside of it. <laughs> I could imagine. And so like, he sat there and was picking all the art, you know, arteries and like all that <laughs> stuff out of it. And did it look like a lung or did they like no, slice they cut it, it up? Teeny tiny little pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was diced up into really small pieces. Uh-huh. I guess if you dice anything up. <laughs> like, Blends into the some most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, throw some seasoning on it, put it in a stew and <laughs> it is what it is. All the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to the language, because I'm just, I, I served English speaking. How long did it take you to learn the language? So... I feel really bad about this one, but the Lord like legit gave me the gift of tongues. Like I could not, I can understand a little bit of Spanish, you know, like the stuff you learn in high school, but I kid you not, like I want to say maybe four weeks into the MTC, like it was clicking. Oh man. And then one of those guys. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll be honest, like gifted. like, I I don't want to sound prideful, but like I was extremely blessed. That's good. Like I had people that I said when I'd been in Argentina for two weeks and they were mind blown how well I could speak the language. That's awesome. And I, I had a companion, my third transfer, he'd been in the mission over a year and everyone thought I was the senior companion because of how much better my Spanish was than his. That's awesome. Now are there, I guess, cause what helped me on my mission is I only had two native or American companions. Did you have a lot of Argentine companions? I actually didn't. I, really? uh, I had only three Latin companions. The rest were Americans. Oh, wow. Okay. And my first, uh, first companion was American. My second companion was a Chilean, but he only spoke English. Mm-hmm. Like he would never speak Spanish, um, except for when we had to. And yeah, just a whole bunch of Americans. And then. Cause that's what really helped me. I wish I would have had that, but the the Lord blessed me. Honestly, I, I literally, uh, I was very, I was very say, blessed. That totally ruined. Like, I was like, Oh, like what would you, what <laughs> advice would you give someone that's like struggling? Well, you like, know, what's interesting is when I got set apart, my stake president didn't bless me with the gift of tongues. And mine did. I was sitting there like, dude, what the heck? I, I don't even remember what he said. I was just like, God, God got done. And I was like, like tapping his leg. Yeah, like, hey, you forgot hey bro. But you know, <laughs> you try that again. <laughs> I, I had so many native companions and a lot of the times it was just, um, 
we didn't live in a big house, right? It was just us yeah, and we exactly. were just in the middle of nowhere. And so I had to learn it and I learned it really, really, really good. And so I was like, I was like fed to the sharks, you know, yeah, I had exactly. to like learn it to survive. <laughs> and, and I wanted that to a degree, but like I I mean, I, I, I feel bad cause I know other missionaries that struggled terribly. I had a companion that struggled his whole mission. He never yeah. really got it down and, and I was extremely blessed and I loved it and I, I still keep up on it to this day. My accent may not be as good as it once was, but I mean, I, there were a couple of times that I had people ask me if I was Argentine. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't think I was that good, but there, you know, some, there were people who'd say that. I would so, always, I would always say when people would ask, cause they didn't, they didn't, I got to the point where I didn't sound like an American yeah. and they say, where are you from? I would always just say, Oh, I'm from the North. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, way Try North. I didn't tell them how it. far, <laughs> but yeah. And it's interesting that you say that, like, you know, there's some elders that have a difficult time with it, you they know, do. but they still, it, it doesn't slow them down at all. It doesn't. And then there's some elders where it just, I don't know, like for me, I just remember sitting on a doorstep and I had, a, it was my trainer. Right. Mm -hmm. And I asked him a question in Portuguese and I didn't even think of it. It just like, it yep. clicked, you know? And yep. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I studied this in the MTC, the same thing over and over and over. And it didn't make any sense. And now I just, it just came out and it came out right. And I looked okay. at him and I was like, what's going on? And he's like, you're learning. Yeah. <laughs> he just smiles oh, and yeah. nods. No, I was like, he's like, I didn't teach you that. That was the Lord. <laughs> you know, I was like, nice. Yeah. No, that's an amazing experience when you just, I mean, just slowly, but surely you, you know, you learn new words, you learn new phrases and, and, uh, you know, the thing I, I think I've realized in life and, you know, especially on the mission too, is every missionary is going to have their challenge. You know, some missionaries, they're going to be obedient. They're not going to baptize as many. Some people, they're going to struggle really hard with the language. Some people, they're never going to get along with their companions. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I had other struggles in my mission. And I think that uh, the Lord blessed me with that one to kind of buffer the rest, I guess. Not saying that my mission was terrible by any means, but uh, the Lord gave me that one for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of struggles, I know in trials, I know you had a specific scary moment on your <laughs> mission. And I've heard the story once, but it's been a while. You mind taking us through that? Yeah. So, uh, um, this is a good one. So, so <laughs> South America, you know, people tell you about how it's a dangerous place and, and, you know, my whole mission, you know, it's, it's always, you know, you got to be vigilant. Um, you hear about all the other elders getting robbed at knife point and gunpoint. I made it about a year and four months in my mission because I was pretty prideful on how vigilant I would be and making sure we weren't in dark areas and making sure we were walking fast and we weren't alone. And, and, you know, just, I just always kept my head on a swivel. And, uh, one morning we were actually in the, kind of in the countryside. So it was kind of, you know, an odd thing, but we were going to get people by eight o'clock in the morning to find people for church. And, uh, my camp companion and I were walking down this little, it's kind of like a little stream maybe, um, where everyone's like junk water, gray water, I guess is what you call it mm -hmm. went to. And, uh, we hear these footsteps behind us and we're like, Oh man, like, is it dark? It's not dark. Okay. It's just, it was everyone partied all Saturday night. So everyone uh. was still asleep. No one was outside. And so, uh, these guys obviously hadn't stopped partying yet. And, uh, two guys came running up to us. We turned around and I mean, he's probably a solid 50 feet from us, but he's already got the gun out. Oh geez. And he's got a big revolver, like a big heavy duty, like Magnum revolver. And not just like a simple little nine millimeter pistol runs right up and cracks me in the top of the head with the uh, butt of the gun. Shut up. Um, they start taking everything, you know, 
pulling all of our, our wallets out or not really our wallets, but you know, the, what do you call it? The Biblia Blanca, the little white Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where I stored all my money and stuff. And he looked through, I couldn't find anything cause I had it hidden in there. I think I had like six pesos in my pocket, which at the time was, you know, that was like my dummy money basically. Uh-huh. Um, you know, six pesos in, in my pocket, which is like about a buck. It was probably a dollar at the time. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, hit me again in the top of the head, the butt of the gun, just kind of get things moving. They were taking everything from my companion. And at that time he was the one who had the cell phone. So handed over the, he handed over the cell phone. They took his jacket. They didn't take my jacket. So the two guys, they, they got everything from him. They thought they wanted. And then, uh, they took his bag they came, both of them came over to me and I had a little, you know, $10 Casio watch. I wore my whole mission and I couldn't get it off fast enough. So he used the barrel of the gun and cracked me in the back of the head with that barrel of the gun. Oh my goodness. Um, so that opened up the backside of my head pretty good. And, uh, you know, the whole time he's got the gun in my head telling me he's going to kill me. Te mato, te mato, te mato. The whole time telling me he's going to kill me. Right. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation. Um, and so I'm trying to give them everything I have, you know, like as missionaries, we got one cell phone, you know, we're, uh-huh. and it's the crappiest cell phone you can find, <laughs> yeah. especially in South America. Um, and, uh, luckily, you know, they, they get everything and, and, you know, they take my companion was feeling kind of bummed because they had his bag with his missionary scriptures that he'd marked up and been using in his mission. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, whenever, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny, they kicked, uh, they kicked me in the butt, literally kicked me. He had the gun the whole time, telling me he's going to kill me. They got everything he wanted, threw our keys on the ground, threw all of our crap on the ground. And then he kicks me in the butt and says, the guy kicked me. And he's like, get out of here now. And so as me and my companions start running off, because, you know, these guys just, just assaulted us, um, they didn't hit my companion at all because he was the one who had the phone. Mm-hmm. They thought I was withholding. Um, but uh, as I was running off, we he's like, hey, and we turn around and he throws my companion, his bag back. And so that was kind of like a, a little tender mercy, I guess, out of oh. the whole thing. Cause my companion oh, was, what, what he a was, great review on that. Man. <laughs> so when you say it opened you up, you're bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've still got the shirt with all the blood on it and I got and this is before still church. the shirt. This is right before church. Yeah. I still have it in a bag, but, um, yeah. So, <laughs> Framed. so, I mean, it's pretty scary. Like I was shaking. I didn't know what, we didn't know. Like, it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. My, you know, and my companion is behind me probably 10 feet. Cause I started running. I was the one who got busted upside the head and he's trying to catch. I'm like, dude, start running. Keep running, dude. Those guys, you know, they had a gun. They were going to kill us. And so, uh, cause they had us separated about 10 feet while they were taking everything from us. So we didn't, you know, it didn't happen so fast, but so we go to the closest member's house we can find. And, uh, cause I was like, I didn't know what to do. And so yeah. we knock on the door and the lady, luckily she was still there. You know, one of the really active members, her husband had already gone to church and she was like, she was, uh, she was like, Oh, what's going on elders? And I was like, we just got robbed and they beat me up with a gun, you know? And before we'd walked up to her house, my command's like, dude, you have blood all over the back of your head and on the back of your shirt. And I had blood running down from the top of my head, down the side of my head on my shirt too. And he's like, he's like, dude, like we got to go get you washed up. So I went to the member's house and I washed all the blood off my head. And she's like, this isn't good. Like you probably need to go to like the hospital or something. Nice. Like, so she calls her husband, her husband finds somebody that has a car and then they take me to the hospital. Cause that's what the mission, you know, they recommended probably go to the hospital, make sure you don't get an infection or something. Yeah. So took me to the hospital and they didn't need stitches. They just super glued it all up and wow. Yeah. So what now? I mean, cause early on my mission, uh, my companion and I, we whitewashed an area that was mm-hmm. all from the dawn of time. It was sisters. Yep. So they had never seen elders. Yep. And they look like CIA agents right? <laughs> yep. walking down That's the, the street. Classic. And I was early on my mission and I don't, I don't know a hundred percent if this is what happened, but somebody said that they were going to kill me. And my Brazilian companion called the mission president 
And like, I was out of there. Like, so, I mean, what, what, what next? Yeah, like did you stay in the area. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so we baptized him. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so the, the worst part about this is, you know, we talked to the members, we stayed away from that area cause we knew kind of the general area where the uh -huh. guy was from, where I got robbed. So like, it's a pretty traumatic experience. So, I mean, anytime I heard someone walking footprints behind me, I was like, yeah, I was totally. on edge. And honestly, I was on edge for probably like almost towards the end to the end of my mission. Um, I could totally understand. Um, you know, for the next like six or eight months. And so um what we did after that is we avoided that area completely. And in in my companion, he was scared, but he he you know, he didn't he wasn't the one that got hit as much. So they didn't take him out. I think I had like a week left, week and a half left in the area. And so, um, you know, and and the interesting thing is the people all heard about it, you know, like, oh, you know, we heard that one of you guys got robbed and like the guy the beat you up with a gun. Just like everyone. people, just people like the shop owners yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, That's messed up. Like, how dare they do that to you guys? Like and so like people like had our back and I talked to one member and they, uh, they actually, they were kind of like the hood rat members, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, they, they knew who the guy was really? and they had told me that that guy had just gotten out of prison for murdering someone oh, yeah, yeah. literally six months prior. Yikes. And the reason he murdered the guy is because the guy wouldn't give him a cell phone. So he shot him in the chest and killed him. How do you get, first off, how do you get out of prison for that? Like South, South, America. South American yeah. justice system. South America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He cleaned his cell. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was, uh, we just avoided that area completely. We, we, you know, we, the area was kind of big for and so how do you, standards. How do you break that down? Like to your parents too? Were you, I didn't tell any, uh, anyone at home until okay. my, my mission president, he's like, you know, he, he preferred we didn't, but most missionaries would tell their parents. Uh, I didn't tell anyone. The only person I told was my, uh, my twin brother who was in Brazil. Um, but I didn't tell anyone until I got home from the mission. None of my friends, none of my family. Wow. Anything. Cause I didn't want to worry. My mom was worried. Yeah, enough. totally. I could sure. see how that would, so that would totally, that yeah. would change a lot. Yeah. And I knew, I knew she, I knew she already like, you know, me and my twin brother being the babies of seven kids and she was living at home alone. I know oh, that my she, goodness. Uh, yeah. she was already perfect. having a hard enough time. And so I was like, she's not gonna be able to sleep. I tell her she's not gonna be able to sleep until I get home. So, uh, I did, we just, I just made the decision to, uh, not tell her wow. when I got home. So, so right and, then, the plane, and then though, what? Right off the plane though. That was the first story I told. Really? Yeah. Pulled out the bloody shirt, <laughs> showed her the pictures. Yeah. That is that's crazy. That is That's crazy. probably yeah. the craziest thing. So I, again, I served in Rio de Janeiro and I saw a lot of things, but they kind of the same thing. Everybody kind of knew what we were about. Exactly. And that's just like one time that same area that I got emergency transferred from that we whitewashed. It was very ghetto. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. Teja Vermelha and Vila Vela, if you want to look it up. Um, and we got lost walking back to our house at night because we didn't oh, know the area. Oh yeah, because you were white. And I shoved yeah. everything into my sock. Oh yep. <laughs> and I remember, and, and there's no street lights oh, in this area. So I mean, there might be one every you know 200 yards or whatever. And there's a group of teenagers, and they all kind of like hang around the one guy who has a car, you yeah, know. Yeah. And we're like, oh crap. Well, we I th I'm pretty sure our house is that way. And as we start walking by them, um my, the phone starts going off in my sock oh. and I'm like, oh, I thought I put it on vibrate, you know? Yep. Yep. And you know, they didn't, they didn't, I don't think they, I mean, they definitely could if they wanted to. I think they, again, because we were elders and they didn't know who we were, yeah. they didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. I just kept walking, but I just like was walking all weird and like walking fast. <laughs> like the in most a, awkward. Yeah. Your, your phone would start ringing in your sock. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, same thing. And there would be some people, you know, Saturday, usually it's Sunday morning cause yeah. they party all, all night. night long, I, did, yep. I, I saw so many bar fights walking to church. Yeah. It's like the very end, you know? Yep. And uh, you know, 
all those people would, would, they would always yell or scream, but they would never get physical. They'd be usually know, not. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's it was insane. A, it was insane. Yeah. No, usually people didn't, uh, you never had a physical altercation. I mean, most everyone else that got robbed is they pulled out a gun and said, give me your stuff. Or they pulled out a, you know, 10 inch kitchen knife and said, give me your stuff. Wow. One, but, one yeah. guy tried to do that to me at a bus station. He didn't pull out a knife or a gun. He just said, Hey, you know, pass them your backpack or whatever. And I opened it and I showed him it was just books. Yeah. I was like, it's just books, man. I yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> oh. See ya. I can't even read. Yep. That was the, uh, Scary experience. So it's, uh, you know, like I said, it was a little traumatizing, you know, hearing footsteps or if I ever heard people running, I'd turn around pretty quick. Um, that's crazy. That lasted a while. And then, uh, I think I've still got a pretty healthy fear of guns. I mean, I, I shoot guns every once in a while if my friends are going or whatever it is or for young men's, uh, with my ward, but, uh, yeah, it's I still, can, it's, it's a, it's a pretty eye opening thing knowing that, you know, you were that death close. was pretty close and, and, uh, a gun can end your life pretty quick. Yeah. So it's one of those things if I, you know, if I'm ever around guns, I'm, I'm very aware of how deadly they are. Totally. And that's a, that's obviously post mission. That's a good understanding to have, especially, you know, in the church, young men skeet shooting and all that stuff exactly. or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. you got to teach these kids and even more, you know, I have two daughters myself. It's like, yeah, this thing can, it can end you and it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much at all. That's insane. Yeah. That was a, a crazy miracle, especially hearing the backstory of, that he killed a guy that yeah, exactly. didn't give him a cell yep. phone. Um, I guess kind of transitioning more into like the, the spiritual side of the mission. What, that was a miracle that you saw. Were there any other personal miracles you saw or that come to mind? Or I've got, I've got a list of other questions if there's nothing. <clears throat> no, no, absolutely. I could talk about my mission all day. I think I've, I've probably taken more time than I was supposed to already. I don't nah, know. Keep going. We're <laughs> but, halfway, uh, man. <laughs> there we go. Just barely halfway. So, uh, you know, I think right off the get go, I don't think I maybe one time before my mission ever gave a blessing, but, uh, you know, everyone, everyone wanted a blessing. It seemed like, uh, in Argentina, my first area was one of the ghettos, which, you know, like a favela is what you guys would call in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Uh, in Argentina, they call them vichas and, uh, um, they're basically like little shanty towns that people build on whatever land they can find and they just set it up and steal electricity and hack into the water system and just do their thing. Um, anywho, so, uh, we were getting asked to give blessings all the time. And we had this one guy that we baptized. His name was Nelson. He's like, Hey, you should go talk to my grandma. She lives around the corner. Um, she was really old, definitely in her eighties, kind of, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, decrepit or whatever you want to call it. She couldn't really walk very well. <laughs> <laughs> She's old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, we, we said, Hey, you know, listen, we've been teaching you for a couple of weeks now. And, and, you know, we, we've told you about the priesthood power. We, we could give you a blessing if you'd like to kind of help you, um, feel better. Cause she was just kind of, you know, almost bedridden. And I remember giving her a blessing and we showed up the next day late, you know, in the evening and she was out, out walking around and I was just like, Holy cow. Like, you know, like I already had some other testimony builders, the priesthood was real, but I was like, yeah, like blessings work, you know, like that was a pretty big miracle. And then I think, uh, you know, in that same area, I feel like we were given blessings, uh, almost every other day, it seemed like, and, and there were little miracles here and there that were always happening with, with giving blessings. And I think that was a really big testimony builder for me. That's awesome. Um, and that's funny that you mentioned that I, I think of the very first person I ever gave a blessing to. Her name's Nancy Gail Ross. And I still remember that. Mm-hmm. And she was like this little eight year old girl and, um, she was sick and I blessed her that she'd get better and she got better. And yeah. it just like, I held on to that. And I haven't forgotten that, mm-hmm. that experience. 
Yeah. Uh, those, those kind of stick with you. And again, I think it's those little moments, right? That they're so concrete, aren't they? Absolutely. Like you can look back at this old lady and you can remember, it's like, if you ever have any, any speed bumps or, you know, anything in the church that you, you, you ever start doubting, it's like, no, this happened. I can't deny that. You know, the same thing with you. Yeah. It's like same one of those thing pillars you can always exactly. reference back to. It's like, you know, you may have your doubts every once in a while, you know, whenever your faith is running low or whatever it is, but you remember those little moments. And that's one of the huge benefits of the mission is you have a lot of those concrete pillars that they're there and they're real. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a lot of things to look back on for sure. Yeah, totally. Re reflecting on the mission, what was, what was the most rewarding lesson you received while serving a mission? Like maybe you were struggling with something or needed help. Um, I think for me on the mission, I think just, you know, learning from, you know, learning more about the gospel personally. And then, um, I think, you know, we're blessed to serve a mission with a certain mission president who's going to be a blessing in our lives. And I think for me, you know, having the mission president I had for the time I had him, um, there were so many things that he taught me, whether it was how to pray, how to study the scriptures, how to, um, bear testimony, you know, things like that, that have changed my life. Right. And putting those things in practice in my mission, they changed my life. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if, uh, if that's a good, good answer or not. No, that's great. <laughs> I think you just kind of summed it up. It's like the mission as a whole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole good, learning though. experience. I mean, it's, you go out there and you're teaching people and changing lives a hundred percent. But you know, when I think back on one of the talks that, you know, other Holland says, he's like, if you, you know, if you don't baptize anyone, you better come home with at least one convert and it better be yourself. Yeah, and I think totally. that's, you know, what a mission, one of the mission president's jobs is, is to convert the missionaries to help, you know, them better convert the people out there. And, and, uh, my mission president definitely did that for me. And the one I had for my last three months did that for me as well. Yeah. That's awesome that you had president Gilbert Hinson. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I love that connection. Um, have you seen him since? I have. Yeah. A couple of times. Yeah. Yep. That's one thing I need to do. <laughs> Run into him every once in a while. And then, uh, at fries. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I ran to his wife, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's awesome that they're so close. Who do you have like a favorite investigator or a story about someone that you helped bring into the gospel? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a, you know, I've got, you know, we baptized people, but you know, how many people, you know, that stayed active in the church or, you know, where it was, we, we tried to do our job the best we could, but, um, you know, one of the, the most active, um, converts that, that I was able to be associated with was a woman named Susanna and she had heard about the church from her, you know, she's probably was in her late fifties at the time. Um, she'd heard about the church from her cousin who lived in Uruguay. Um, he'd said, Hey, you know, you really should go down to the church. Like, and he'd been a member convert for probably 10, 15 years and never said anything to her cause they didn't see each other too often. And, uh, so she's like, well, believe it or not, I have one literally one block from my house and we're talking a hundred yards from her house. She had a church that she could walk to. So she shows up one Sunday. It was, I think my first or second Sunday in that area. And you know, we're, we're asking the members like, Hey, who is this lady? And so we go and talk to her and she was, as they call it, you know, your golden investigator. We showed up, we taught her, she was receptive. And basically what we do is we'd leave with a pamphlet with her for the next lesson. And by the time we showed up, instead of teaching the lesson, we just answered her questions about the next lesson. She taught herself. She was baptized in two weeks and, uh, she's had her challenges and struggles, I think in the church, as far as, uh, 
uh, certain leaders and uh, not getting along with certain people. Um, yeah. But she's my my one convert that has gone through the temple, who has stuck with it through all the trials, who has a firm testimony that the church is true. And, you know, the people aren't always true in the church, but um, the ch- church is true itself. And a cool experience to link with that was I went back after my mission about a year after my mission, a year and a couple months, and I spent a month in Argentina. Wow. And uh, while I was there, uh, you know, some elders had continued the teaching of her 90-year-old mother, and they baptized her, and she hit a year in the mission, while, or a year as a wow. member when I went back and visited. And so I got to be the proxy for uh, that sealing. So the 90-year-old woman being sealed to her husband who had passed, and the cousin That's of, insane. My, of Susanna wow. had done the work five years prior. And so I got to be the proxy for the sealing of the husband and wife and then of Susanna to her father. So it was a really cool experience to be able to participate in that. And Susanna is still going strong to this day. That's awesome. That is, that is, that is awesome. Yep. It's interesting how you, and that was in the, your very, be, very beginning of your mission, right? Or you said that, that was two weeks into that area. Two weeks into that area. So okay. I was about a year and a half in the mission at that point. That's cool. I, uh, let me ask you this. Cause I've, I've also, I've often contemplated going back uh-huh. and it's been a while uh-huh. and I kind of go back and forth all the time. And I just talked to my father-in-law about this. Cause I'm like, my father-in-law served in uh, Jordan's dad served in Germany. And I'm like, Hey, would you ever go back? And he's like, Oh, in a heartbeat. And he asked me, would you go back? And I go, I don't know. I, like, was it hard? What, uh, why wouldn't you go back? I guess that's my question. I don't know. It's kind of the same thing of what you said. I left on such good terms. Uh-huh. <sighs> Sorry, I got something in my throat. I left on such good terms that it's like, I wouldn't want to go back and get a soiled view. Yeah. Of you are. know, and you know, I don't know. I, I loved, like, I, you know, I was telling Jordan, that, I was telling Jordan this in the car, uh, while we were, we were waiting to get everything set up and I, you know, I, I loved my mission. I loved Argentina as much as I would, uh, never live there or raise my family there. Uh, I loved it. And, um, so I went back, I stayed a month there and visited people and, um, you know, kind of just hung out for a month uh, when I had the opportunity in my life. And then my wife and I went back two years ago and, and, uh, the day I can convince her to let me buy some plane tickets, we'll be going back again. So, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Cause my uncle who served in Buenos Aires has been back like five times. Yeah. Same thing. He went back and like, so he, this is a little side story. He and his high school best friend got called to the same mission. Oh, awesome. And they were companions. They both kill each other off. Right. Like, oh, wow. And they were both zone leaders. And then that, I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> um, his best friend's son got called to the same mission. Oh gosh. That's and awesome. And so when they went down, um, when the son was done, they both flew down and met with all the members and it was just crazy yeah. to see, obviously a lot of time had passed. Right. Yeah. So like how many people, how one branch that had six members is now a stake and absolutely. Yeah. You know how a person he baptized became a ward missionary and, and helped baptize 30, 40, 50 people or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, you know, when you, when people talk about it like that, it's like, yeah, I want to go back. I want to yeah. see. And, and you know, I think uh, one of the things when I went back the first time was I saw a lot of people who went inactive um, but I also saw a lot of people that were still active that I didn't know were active and had callings and, and were still doing great. But I think one of the other things too was what I realized, and it could, it could be my perspective is it seemed like a lot of the members and, um, you know, investigators and, and people that I taught and baptized on my mission, they were, you know, they were extremely excited to see me, you know, that I was still doing well, that I'm not a missionary anymore, but 
I'm still sticking true to the faith. I think yeah. it was great for them to see, um, you know, cause everyone always makes the promise like, Oh yeah, I'm going to come back. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they always say like, no one ever does. And so when I went back there and did it and I was there for a month, the, you know, the members really loved seeing that. And then they saw that I really loved Argentina and I loved the people there. And so I think it was a really big benefit for them as well as it was for me, um, to go That's back. That's awesome. Yeah. That, I guess when you put it that way, yeah, it makes sense. I, the, my first baptism, um, was a little bit further into my mission, but I accidentally kept her pink slip, you know, like the, the carbon copy mm-hmm. that you're supposed to leave in the zone. Like, oh yeah. And I found it like literally when I was packing up to go home and it had her cell phone number on it. And I was like, <laughs> do I call her? Do I see, you know, cause you know, it's, you might not ever see her. Yeah. yeah you know, and not only that, I don't want to, I don't want to call her when I'm about to jump on a plane to hear that she's falling away from the church. Cause I would have gotten a, in a taxi and gone to her house and like, what's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And you know, what's funny is as a missionary, you can do that and you can probably change and be like, no, you're going back to church. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, she had a testimony, a very good testimony. Um, but I called her. And I'm like, Hey, this is elder man. obviously my Portuguese is a lot better. <laughs> um, and I want how are you doing? And she's like, Oh, it's interesting that you call. I was just thinking about you. I'm getting ready to go to the temple to do baptisms next week. And in the temple is like a three day bus ride, three, four day bus ride. So I was like, oh, you know, I was like, that's if it was, if it's just the one, you know, and that's all exactly. I needed to hear. But that's the kind of thing I just have all this, like, well, that, that, one of my last baptisms went on a mission herself and like brought a lot of people to, yeah. you know, and I think even that little phone call that you gave to that lady was, it strengthened her significantly. Yeah, I can guarantee it, that. I really, you know, it's, I really like how you, you put it and you've really changed my perspective on it because the same way I worry and think about these people, I know now that they probably, Hey, remember, remember that elder? You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. And thinking about it that way, it's like, cause I worry, you know, not even the people that I had baptized or in the members, just the members as well. Right. And you're down there and it's such like a, a pivotal point in your life and you become so close with these people. I mean, it's probably the same way in the States, right? Oh yeah. There's members that would like, I don't know. It's just hard to describe. Yeah. Members, and if they members. saw you again, yeah, exactly. Be, They're family. Yeah. It's family. Yeah. And so thinking about it now is I bet they sit there and go, Hey, remember that kid? You know? Yeah. I'm, oh man, I miss him. I wonder how he's doing. You know, maybe, maybe I, if I think about it that way, it kind of makes me want to go back down. For sure. Well, and seeing, <laughs> and you know, and seeing pictures on Facebook is one thing, but when you're tangible there in the flesh and give that person a hug, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome experience. It'd be cool just to show up. Yeah. Well, and that's what I hey. did. I didn't tell anyone I was going to Argentina. I think I only told, uh, I only told maybe two families, maybe three families. Cause I just wanted to show up and have people be like, Whoa, what the heck are you doing here? And actually my last companion that killed me off was still on the mission. And, uh, I figured <laughs> out where he was at and, uh, I found him and he was blown away. That's awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. Well, I've just got a couple of questions kind of wrap things up. I got some too. I got two actually, but you keep going. Do you want to go first then? Uh, Boca the- or river? Boca. Boca. Yeah. My puppy in the mission, my father in the mission, my trainer, he was uh, pretty sad that I was Boca, but it happened. Is Boca, is this like their song or something? Oh, oh, yeah, this is totally their I song. I don't know. Do they have, so wait. So <laughs> Every missionary knows it. The, That's the thing, right? The teams have their own theme song? Yeah. Yeah. They're, it's, a, it's pretty crazy Dude, even professional there. football teams have their own theme song. You talking like NFL? Yeah. No. Yes. Listen. 
Dale, dale. <laughs> Dude, the, what do they call it? The bom- Bombanera? The stadium? Uh, I don't know. Boca Stadium? I don't, I don't know. I think they call it the Bombanera. It's one of the most insane stadiums like well, in the whole, world. That whole area of Boca, is it, there's, it's an area called Boca. Um, all the houses are painted blue and yellow. Yeah. It's literally insane. Like the, you just have to YouTube it, man. There's some insane videos in the crowd. There's like nets. So they can't like throw things. Cause they'll like, the field. and it's a really big rivalry. How was that? Oh, it's huge. Boca versus river. Well, Would I mean, that change your whole, you couldn't go outside. Like, yeah. Like it was crazy. Like there'd be like people fighting in the streets. Like if it was game day and it was Boca versus river, like, oh man, you, you know, sometimes we'd have to go, we'd have to go home early because of things like that. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a big deal. Like a lot of times, like you'd show up to people's house and they're like, Boca River. And you're like, ah, uh, look yeah, at the walls at, to see yeah, what they have on the walls. Yeah, blue, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, it's, it's a huge part of their culture. Like I think we think sports are big here in the U S but I mean, football in South America is huge. I mean, it's it literally is a part life of or life. death. It man. is. It's like, 100%. so when I, in Rio, Rio, so in Buenos, is Buenos Aires, both teams are in Buenos Aires, right? Yep. And is there, I'm sure there's more than two teams. There's, those? there's tons of teams. Those are just the big ones. Yeah. I mean, almost every like neighborhood or small suburb has their own team. Yeah. But those are like the, just the two the most series popular. A or whatever. Yeah. In, in Rio, there's like, there's like five. Yep. There's like, and it's all, it's like literally people won't, depending on the day who's playing, they won't talk to you. If you are, you don't even have to be a fan if you're wearing a red tie. They'll be like, no, dude. It's a really big deal. <laughs> it's in, it's insane. I was down there during the World Cup too. Oh, awesome! Um, the South African World Cup, and we were on like house arrest. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't you know? do anything. But that was my question. Boca or River? I was like, man, <laughs> like Angel threw me off because I was like, the mission, like spirituality. Oh, my bad, dude. I'm sorry. I, no. I tend to do that. <laughs> man, How sh- dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my my. So like, let's say. Some kid, some blessed future elder opens his mission call tonight and it says, Argentina, Buenos Aires, Norte, Mission. And he's like, dude, what should I do? Like, what would you tell him to prepare? What, like, what little principles or something would you pass on? Um, it's hard. I think, I think one of the, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to, it definitely wasn't the best missionary, but I think the biggest thing is just, you know, love, love, you know, they say that it's silly, like love the people. But, you know, for me, the biggest way to do that was, you know, serving. I realized on my mission that I was there to serve people, whether I was teaching them the gospel, helping them bring in groceries, cleaning their dishes. You know, I was there to serve people for two years. And I think that's the thing I absolutely loved the most and missed the most about my mission was that was my job 24 seven was to serve people. I didn't have to worry about what I was doing for school or work. So I just say, get lost in that service. It is missionary service 100% and understand that that's what it is for 24 months and to just not deviate from that. Cause nice. that's how you, that's how you learn to love people. I think is serving them. Absolutely. And that was a lesson I learned from what? a bishop and my first transfer my mission was you learn to love people by serving them. Wise words. Was your mission worth it? hundred percent. Million percent. Million percent. Yeah. Lots of hard. I mean, you know, everyone says there's a lot of hard times and there were hard times, I guess, but, uh, yeah, my, the good times, a hundred percent triumphed, uh, any, any hard times I had and, uh, absolutely love it. Awesome. Well, Hayden, thanks again for, for coming on the show. Um, 
and sharing your experiences. That pistol whip one. That's yeah, man, I'm like, I'm like shook up, man. <laughs> You're like, I wasn't the best missionary. I was like, I think you were because you still love the guy that had pistol whipped you. <laughs> I don't know if I loved him, but- uh, You were great. You saw I, I didn't have hard feelings. I really didn't have hard feelings against him for whatever reason. Not that I like wasn't, I was just more scared than anything. You know, I wasn't like, I just, yeah. Good times. I could talk forever about the mission. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up, but again. Yeah, we'll have you back again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Have me back. I can talk Version about that'd it. That'd be awesome. 1.2 yeah. or whatever. <laughs> well good alright that's a wrap that's a wrap <laughs> I don't know take us out what's the what's the name of the thing the podcast hereby called and this is hereby called <laughs> with the name Jordan of the thing? <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah this podcast was brought to you by www.herebycalled.com thank you check amen. it out amen